Blog Talk Radio. is under a tsunami warning, and my side of the country is under a, a winter storm warning. We are expecting a lot of stuff, um, snow, ice, uh, power outages. So fortunately, I scheduled this show when I knew there would still be power. Yay! <laughs> Welcome to Desperate Housewitches. My name is Raina Starr. I am your host, as always. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the amazingly wicked one herself, the incredible Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. And in case you don't remember, this show is not a GPG or even an R-rated show. So if bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you, this is not the show for you. But come on. We both fucking know that's why you tuned in. Anyway, with me for the hour, I am so excited. This is her first time. Uh, and it is the amazing author and artist, Stephanie Woodfield. And this morning we are going to talk about divine relationships. Hey, Stephanie, how are you, my dear? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being had. <laughs> <laughs> So what's going on in Florida? How, how is the weather? How, are things sunny? Are things good? Are things weirdly weathered? What's going on? Well, it's always kind of sunny in Florida for the most part, but it is pretty cold here. And I know um, all of my New England friends are going to be like, no, it's not cold unless it's negative 14 degrees. But uh, it's kind of in the 60s here, which means we're all wearing long sleeves and, you know, threatening yep. to burn all of her furniture to keep warm. <laughs> but I, no know, snow, so that makes me happy. For, yeah, I mean, I lived in Florida for a number of years, and uh, I agree with you. <laughs> Anything below 70, and it was time to find my parka. I, I get it yes. completely. Um, so, yeah, enjoy that warmth. I mean, I still kind of don't miss Florida, but that's that's for personal reasons, having nothing to do with the weather or the people who live there who are lovely, because I have a lot of loved ones in Florida, actually. So as long as you're staying warm and safe and dry, that is awesome. Uh, but I am hopeful for other parts of the country that they get to do the same. Anyway, okay, so your newest book, Dedicate Devotee Priest, a Pagan Guide to Divine Relationships. So I got this book, and I'm like, yes. And as I was telling you earlier, you know, when I was coming up, focus was really more on magic than on relationships with divinity. And I really dig what you say in this book, because it's important to have those relationships. 
And, you know, it took me a long time to really process that and figure it out and have a real um, working relationship. Um, Because my, you know, when I was growing up, for me, the gods were just kind of, oh, they're omnipotent and they're out there and, you know, hopefully we're doing shit that makes them happy. Um, But tell me what brought you to to doing this book and, and this take on it. Well, I felt like there was kind of a hole there. You're right. Like, we really focus on the magic, and magic is important to my practice, but it's not the only part of my practice. And I kind of noticed when I teach that um, I talk about my relationship to different deities. Most of the time it's the Morgan because I'm specifically a priestess of the Morgan. But there are a lot of other deities I have a very strong relationship to. My my house, basically every, like, nook and cranny is an altar to someone, <laughs> which makes it very awkward yeah. when someone has to come in and fix the cable because there's two giant altars <laughs> right next to the cable box. <laughs> but um, they wanted always to find out, like, how do you have that relationship? Like, and how do you navigate it? And then you start hearing, like, the, not the horror stories, but they have an experience with deity and they don't know what to do with it. Or maybe they kind of fumbled and had a misstep and weren't sure how to fix it. It's not something we really talk about. And my spirituality has always been very focused on deity. Sometimes whether I wanted to or not, because with the Morgan, she's Mm. kind of hard to ignore. She's not very subtle. (laughs) So you kind of have to, (laughs) you have to kind of do something if she shows up. Yes, very, very much. Yes. So I felt like I was stumbling in the dark for a really long time. Agreed. Agreed. And no one, really no one was talking about it. And, you know, and I know what you mean about, you know, when a god or a goddess kind of like says to you, hello, over here now. (laughs) And, you know, and I'm like, ah, shit, I don't know enough to be dangerous. As a matter of fact, maybe that's all I know enough about, to be dangerous. (laughs) So maybe I should learn some shit and not make missteps with offerings and stuff because all deities are not the same and they don't expect all of the same things from each of their devotees, as I found out, because it's not a one-size-fits-all. And these relationships are so unique and, and... this is why I think your book is like required reading because there's not very much spoken about developing those relationships. I mean, there are tons of books about the gods as a concept, as a a spiritual practice, but not a real guidebook and why these relationships are so important. So I'm really grateful that you came on to talk about this book and that you wrote it. Oh, thank you. Well, you're right, though. I mean, a lot of books really just say light a candle, make an offering, and the gods show up. And then it's kind of like, well, what do I do after that? So that's nice. They're here. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, they're here. A chicken. Yeah. It's like, okay, so guests have arrived at your house. What are you doing about it? Are you going to give them a place to sleep? Do you want them to stay indefinitely? I mean, what kind of relationship do you want with these gods? Brilliant. Please continue. And sometimes that's where you go really wrong. So I give a couple of examples. I always try to give examples of my own mistakes. 
a lot of times mm-hmm. <laughs> in my book. Because no one's perfect. You learn yep. from experience. But um, a lot of the things oh, yeah. that I have gone to, and I've botched rituals too, everyone has. The things I learn yep. from the most really are those sort of things and how to navigate past them. But um, one example yeah. kind of comes to mind. I was at an event where in the ritual, and I was just a participant in this one, there was kind of this idea that you're descending into the underworld. And part of the ritual, mm. one of the participants meets the Baron Semity, who's connected to the dead and Haitian okay. voodoo. And I don't know uh-huh. why, but this person in the ritual knocked his hat off. No offerings were given. Hey. He was just kind of there. It was like, uh-huh. we're invoking you. We're going to insult you by knocking your hat off and not giving you any offerings or anything. And then we're just going to ignore you for the rest uh-huh. of the ritual. So oh. what happened that, yeah. <laughs> what happened that night, though, was we were camping and the cabin I was in, in the middle of the night, one of my cabin mates woke up because someone was knocking on our back door. And there was nothing around this area. It's just in a field. And he goes out, he looks around, no one's there. Hour later, I hear someone knocking on the door. Not like a, not, like a light knocking, but kind of like, hey, it's time to get up knocking. And I go outside mm-hmm. and there's no one there. Three other people that I knew oh, at boy. the event saw someone with a hat, like the barons walking around in the woods in the middle of the night when they got up to pee. And basically we were all panicking the next day. And we weren't even the ones that did the ritual. We were just participants. And we made an effort to go Uh out there, make offerings, and smooth over what had happened. So I think we kind of learn from those missteps. And sometimes they're kind of scary. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, it can be. But that's how you realize, you know, there are protocols to these things. There are consequences. And you can't just kind of invoke the yeah. gods, have them be there, and ignore them. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Why would you call somebody just to have them sit there, what, to watch you do what? I mean, yeah, I mean, you, it's not that the gods are necessarily like friendships. Uh, I don't think of my relationship to deity that way at all. I know some people may do that, um, but I would think that that is after many, many years of practice and really having a strong, strong, strong relationship to to deity, could you maybe do that? Um, I'm still, even at my age, in the uh, revering mindset, you know, actual uh, – offering and making sure that cup is full, so to speak, constantly, um, having a completely separate um, methodology than when I am asking for assistance. Do you think it is important um, to not just have an offering, but, you know, for ritual sake or for a specific purpose sake, but just having offerings to maintaining that relationship. I always had this saying, remember your gods so they remember you. And it seems like your book speaks to that a great deal. Very much so. And I think that would have been a perspective that pagans in the ancient past would have had as well. Um, Offerings Mm -hmm. to me is definitely part of 
having right relationships with the gods. I do make regular mm-hmm. offerings. And I think um, there's an importance to what you're offering to a degree. You don't have to offer the finest thing, but it's the way that you offer it. If you're just pouring wine, then you're just pouring wine. If you're not putting that energy into it, and and it could be gratitude, it could be asking for something, it's the way you do it that matters the most. And I think a lot of us, we kind of want the, the Chinese food menu. Like, we look through one of our books on correspondences, and we're like, okay, well, this deity likes this stuff, so I'm going to pour some, you know, pour some of that particular whiskey or that particular wine for them. Like, we don't put as much thought and reverence into it, and that's the key stuff. That's the stuff where all the power is and that energy exchange between deity. And if you're not talking to your gods all the time, why are they going to listen to you when you come to them and say, hey, I got a problem? Like, you know, do you, exactly. a friend that you have that, you know, you haven't talked to in two years comes to you and asks for some money or something? Are you going to really, like, help mm-hmm. them? <laughs> you know, you have to keep exactly. that relationship and that dialogue open. Yes, 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 yes. I Oh, I'm so glad you're saying this. Because I think it's something that people really forget in the day-to-day, it, you know, and your example of, you know, someone who comes to you asking for money is so on point because, you know, you can't just go to somebody on the street that you know casually and say, hey, um, I need money for such and such. Although on Facebook, I just have to do this quick aside. Uh, that seems right. to happen to me a lot lately. Like crowd, like people are kind of crowdsourcing, and it's funny because I think somebody wants to um, – you know, friend me because they think I'm, you know, funny or whatever. And within 10 minutes after my accepting the request, they're hitting me for cash. And I'm like, no. It's like, I don't know who you are. Exactly. And you don't know me like that to ask me for money. I'm sorry. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of very much the same thing. And I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, there are times when, and it's really funny because having been raised by people who, you know, were one thing and then transferred that into Christianity, very friggin' weird, but okay. Um, but, you know, they talk about um, having relationships to God, and it's like, yeah, no, you're not viewing it the way I'm viewing it, though, because everybody wants deity as a friend until you realize what the price of that friendship could be. Um, right. And and I think I think a lot of folks who are who are just getting into um, you know our situation with the things we believe, it's not taught. You know, as you and I were talking about earlier, there's like so no focus on that. It's all magic focused. And it's not that I think my mentors failed me, um, but I think it's the way people are generally brought in because, let's face it, magic is very alluring, but it is only part of the story. And that is forgotten about a lot. So the fact that you've written this book, again, highly recommend. Um, It really gives you more of a complete view of how and what and why we believe and the importance of 
you know, not just, at, just not just giving something over when you need something. Um, it, it's important to, first of all, develop a relationship. I mean, what kind of deity are you developing the relationship with? You know, it's what are you after? What kind of magic are you practicing? Um, who resonates with you? Who actually comes calling to you? You know, you mentioned the Morrigan, and I mentioned Hecate. And those are goddesses that kind of smacked us over the head. Am I right? Oh, yeah, the holy two-by-four for sure. I think, you know, um, a lot of our perspectives, like, you know, when we talk about talking to deities and having a relationship with deities, I think we kind of don't go back to, like, the basics, like, what is a deity? Because that's, like, a question that everyone answers differently. Different cultures and different mythologies have different answers for that. And I think some of our ideas about the gods, kind of that they're the vending machines, you know, in the sky that are going to give us yes. whatever we want just when we light a candle to them, um, kind of somewhat comes from the overculture. And I'm not knocking Christianity for people who, you know, feel that that's their path. That's great. But I think, um, I think there's this idea that gods are the divine parents and that there's an obligation to us as the children to receive things when we ask versus, I think, the older perspective that, you, we make offerings and have reciprocity with the gods, and the gods will look kindly on us. Our ancestors, I think, would have made offerings more to make sure that they don't get diseases, that they don't have a bad crop. Um, they wouldn't come when right. they specifically needed something. It'd be more, I, I think people see it as bribery sometimes, but it's not. You're having a good relationship with deity, so the deity will help those bad things be avoided because they have that perspective where they can see those things coming where we can't. And um, I think right. they felt more that you had to honor the gods and there was no obligation for the gods to give you anything. But you would still I ask and treat that. them with respect. Absolutely. It's more about um, staying in some kind of, and what you just described, I, I think of more as trying to stay in good favor with the gods as opposed to angering them. Um you know, we talk about, and it's funny because people who come to, you know, a, a witchcraft or a Wicca or that kind of spirituality often do exactly what you said, decide that the gods are like vending machines, and it's so the opposite, you know. Yeah. I, I've had people ask me, and I'm sure people have asked you, um, could you uh, do some spell work for me? Can you, you know, I, I have this issue and I need help with it. Um, do you think you could do something for me magically? And I'm like, I'm going to tell you right now. I will do this for you. I do it for family, really. I don't really do it for anybody else. But the gods may say no. They always have the option to say no. As much as I may ask and, you know, give offerings for and make promises of doing fill-in-the-blank, whatever it is, there is, always the, the, there is always the option that sometimes the gods just say no. And the reason being for that is they see things in a much larger picture than we can even imagine, 
and that's the way it is. Sometimes the thing we think we need or that we're asking for is really not at our for our best self or our highest right. self. Do you agree? You think so? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, they have that perspective where they can see where the right moment for something is, and we may not understand it at the time, but, you know, in retrospect, when you look back sometimes, you're like, you know, I, maybe that was the wrong thing to ask for. And I think that's kind of a scary thing when, you know, our main focus is magic, where we're the powerful witch. We don't want to hear no. We want to know that everything's mm. going to work. And even in magic, whether it's with deities or not, there is a chance that your magic isn't going to work, even if you're the best witch. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, sometimes, listen, I have, you know, I think I'm go, I go to my altar. I think my intention is right on, straight, pure, clean, however you want to put it. Um, I've got everything in the right place, whatever it is. I've said the words. I've made the offerings, blah, blah, blah. And sometimes it's just, no, wrong. (laughs) That's it. And it's not because I don't think I'm a good witch. It's not that I think I gave a bad offering. It's that just some fucking times it's no. Deal with it. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean. And sometimes it's better <laughs> off for you in the end. Um, for example, um, my husband had been trying to get out of the job he had been in a few years ago. It's crazy that this pandemic's a few years off now, but um, it was a little right. bit before the pandemic. And, you know, we uh-huh. did everything right magically to help this happen. Yep. And we just keep getting these roadblocks. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hit. And if he had gone to the job he was trying to get, he probably would have been laid off, but he wasn't at the place he currently was. And as things got better, he ended up getting what he originally wanted. It just happened to be a year and a half after he wanted it to happen. But that was the right moment. That was the right time. If we had just gotten what we wanted, it would not have really been what we wanted, or at least what we thought we wanted. Absolutely. I think, you know, deity knows better than we do what's appropriate at any given time. But I also think, and correct me if I'm wrong, and a lot of this is just stuff I came to on my own because back in the day, I mean, at 60 years old, when I was first coming up, there were not a lot of writers. And a lot of it was geared with the assumption that we knew more than we actually did. And there are, you know, and I've talked to a lot of folks about this, and they all kind of concur, you know, at a certain age, if you were raised in the craft at all, you realize that there are holes in your practice because of the assumptions that were made when you were being mentored. So the fact that I can regroup and come back and learn all of these things I find very exciting. And I'm very concerned about older people who are like, well, I I don't need to know that. I I, I don't need that information. I think every information is important information. Um, And I, I worry that, you know, folks who are like, no, 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 I don't need to know that are really losing a large chunk 
of what can be the brilliance of their practice, having developed really in the last 10 years a strong relationship with my deities. And I love the fact that you said in your book, I'm sorry, I have to say this, um, that (laughs) if you worship this particular god or goddess, it does not mean that you have to give up this other particular god or goddess. I love that you say that. Please talk about that. And and, because I know that there are people who are very into a specific pantheon and you can't go outside that pantheon. And that is something that has always disturbed me. So please speak to that because I think it's so important. Oh, yeah, you can absolutely have more than one deity. You could have a whole tribe of deities from different pantheons that have a connection to you and you have a connection to. Um, Earlier, Mm -hmm. my practices that bothered me too, a lot of the um, people I had been working with in a group, it was kind of like goddess of the month. They dedicated to one deity and then they worked deeply with them. And then maybe a couple months later, there would be this new deity that showed up and they felt that they needed to work with or have a connection with. And suddenly it was like, oh, no, I have to I have to undo all of my oaths to this first deity so I can accept the other deity into my practice. I'm like, we're not monotheists. We're pagans. Right. <laughs> we, we're polytheists, <laughs> meaning we have multiple deities. I think um, the confusion is they think that a lot of people think that you have to be a priest. Um, or have dedications and vows to every single deity that you have a connection to, and you don't. They're all there for a different reason in your life. I have, with the Morgan, I am a priestess. I also have a relationship with the Dagda, probably because he's the husband of the Morgan in mythology, which is probably why he showed up in my life. But I have a devotee relationship to him. I have no oaths to him. I am not his priest, Mm -hmm. but I have a relationship with him. I am also very close to Bast. I'm a very big cat person. If you see my Instagram, my cats are, like, all over that thing. I try not to, like, completely target vomit (laughs) with my cats, but I would if I could. Um, And she's a very strong deity that I have connection to that is a protector, and I have specific oaths to her but I'm not her Uh specific priestess. So all of those relationships are very different, but they're all a part of my household. They're all a part of my spirituality and they all get their own time. Um, I don't have to just have the Morgan. I'm not going to say that she doesn't, isn't the most predominant thing in my life. Um, She certainly is. She has her own temple room, but um, the other deities are very important. And they're a very big part of my life. And I don't have to give up one to have a relationship with the other. And it would be kind of sad if we did. It would be like going back to Christianity or monotheism where there's just one flavor, you know. There'd be no variety and no, yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. I see, but I've, I've heard people be like, well, you know, if you worship this one, that one's not even in the same uh, line as the other one. And I'm like, what difference does it make? Right. Whoever calls you or you feel you're drawn to, that's, you know, 
that's not to say that one D. Now, let me ask you about this because I, I think you brought up something interesting because you said the Morrigan is the most predominant in your house, correct? Oh, definitely, yeah. Okay. But so my relationship is that, different to her, too. Okay. So, how, so but do you find that any of the deities are – have you experienced deity jealousy or a deity not wanting to work on a specific thing because you have another deity – that might be dealing in that realm with it, whatever it is. Do you find that there's any kind of conflict when you are having one more more based than the others? No, I really don't because I do different things for them. Um, my relationship with the Morgan as a priestess is very deeply uh, rooted in service to her. And I, uh -huh. I run a retreat every year that's dedicated to her and – a lot of my writing is about her, but, um, uh -huh. you know, that's specific to her. My relationship to Bast is I don't run an event for her. It's more of a personal relationship. It's more about me and her. Yeah. So yep. those are just completely different things. It's like, um, it's like saying that if you're married to someone and you have a deep relationship with them, that you can't have a friendship with someone else because you can't run two relationships right. or types of relationships at the same time. As far right. as jealousy, I, I don't really see that. I mean, I do understand the idea of, like, if you are doing a ritual, it might not be the best idea to call on one deity that is, let's say, a battle goddess and maybe a deity that's connected to something completely different in another pantheon. I would try right. to connect deities that are of similar spheres, if you will. Or oh, for okay. me personally, I, if I'm doing something with Irish deities, I'll do a ritual for Irish deities. If I'm doing something for Egyptian deities or Greek deities, I will do that for them. I don't really mix the pantheons, but that doesn't cause any jealousy. They each have their time. It's like going out with your girlfriend for a movie night and gossiping or getting dinner. And then going on date night with your husband is going to be different, you know, but they're both oh, time that you spent with someone. And they're all going to have their that. unique things. Relationship, sure. I, I love that you said that because I think people make it really constricting and <laughs> smothering to a certain extent when you have to have it be so rigid that, like, if you're with this deity, you can't be with this other deity. And it just never made right. I mean, I try. I think to that's all in our own heads. Okay, yeah, probably. I mean, I guess we feel like we have to have an affinity to one thing or another because it feels like too scattered or too many influences if we let too many deities in, as it were, for lack of a better term. But I really think that over time, if you learn to nurture each relationship based on its own merits that they can all work and they can all be harmonious. But it took me a really long time to learn that. And you're right. It was in my head. And sometimes it still is. <laughs> Cause like, well, here's the thing. When I go to my altar in the morning, I don't, it's not necessarily Hecate in that moment. It's, I have an altar that is my daily devotional 
altar. And it's great mother and great father, and whichever entity or deity, rather, wants to embody that for the moment or the day or the next 20 minutes is up to whatever deity is available or listening or interested. Um, And there's a difference between an offering, again, for gratitude or devotion and an offering for specific spell work. And I love that you talk about that too, because that is way important. Please talk about the differences thereof. Well, I think gratitude is something important as well for offerings, and that would kind of fall into the category of maybe your daily devotions, where you're giving that offering of gratitude, saying that I am glad you're in my life. I am honoring you, and I am opening myself to this connection with you. And when you're making an offering for a specific purpose, there's nothing wrong with that, with asking the gods for things, but that's going to have a very different energy to it. And it's more, it's less, um, it's less of you listening to deity. When I'm doing an offering of gratitude, I'm being open. I'm listening. I want to be Mm -hmm. in connection to deity and feel their presence. And I think that's, um, maybe the confusion is it's very hard to do that. There's no, like, spell where I can say, light this candle, do this, say this three times, and pour this thing into Mm -hmm. your cauldron. And it will absolutely happen. It's between you and Dee. Right. It's not something I can tell you right. an exact recipe for, but it is absolutely yep. completely rewarding to do so. And it's hard to kind of turn off yeah. the noise in your head sometimes. When we're in that state of asking a deity for something and making an offering, we're, mm-hmm. we're talking at them. We're not necessarily giving them a chance to say anything to us. Sometimes I think we talk to deities yeah. so much that we're not letting them get a word in edgewise and we're not being open and receptive <laughs> and being in that, that place of stillness. I mean, the world's very noisy. We have so many things going on in our lives. It's very hard to sit in stillness and just be open to deity. But I think that's wow. one of the most powerful things that we can do. You're so right. I mean, I love what you just said. That's so true. I think we're so busy just assuming that well they hear everything they know everything you know it's that omnipotence that we learn in Christianity that we try to apply to everything else because it's what we perhaps were brought up with and it is important to give the gods room to speak I'm so glad you said that you know it's it's also and you know, you talk about the difference between being, you know, showing gratitude and, and, you know, asking for assistance, as it were. And sometimes it's just a good idea to take a break from spell work just to express gratitude. And I find that a lot of us don't, you know, it's kind of like the Christianity thing where, you don't you don't show interest until you actually need something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Time, you know, <laughs> yeah, like maybe we should have a relationship before uh, you start asking me to do shit for you. Um, it doesn't mean I won't do it. It just means that you don't really value my relationship until I'm doing something for you. You know, 
uh, yeah, something that's my true. mother used to call. You know, something my mother used to call. You only call when you want something, which is that's actually <laughs> never happened. But I know that it does happen. That there are people in your life. And it's the same thing. You 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 know you you think you have a relationship with them, but for some reason they only seem to call when they're in trouble or they need a ride or fill in the blank. You know that is not how we conduct a relationship with deity. If we expect uh, assistance when assistance is needed, you know sometimes there are many many times that I just go in front of my altar and I say. Thank you. Thank you for all the wonderful things you've done to keep my family safe, to keep us gainfully employed, blah, blah, blah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's it. There's nothing wrong with doing just that. And that's that. beautiful. That, you know, I think that's a beautiful practice just to have in life in general, to be grateful for everything that you have. And it's definitely going to keep you in yeah. that headspace of just being happier and seeing what you have instead of thinking of all the things that you don't have. And that's, it's having a relationship. It's not being transactional. It's like going to a banker with the gods. You know, I need this today. You know, you don't know your banker on a personal level. Exactly. That's true. No, and that makes a lot of sense, you know, to just expect it like, an AT, there is no spiritual ATM in that regard where, you know, you just walk up, insert whatever, and expect whatever it is you're asking for to suddenly fall on your lap. I'm not saying that never happens. Sometimes it does. But yeah, once you receive that gift, it can. But once you've received that gift, A, is it really what you needed? Maybe, maybe not. B, have you expressed gratitude for this happening? I would suggest you do <laughs> if you want anything like that to happen again. I think sometimes the gods give you a taste of what the relationship, because, you know, gods aren't stupid. That's why they're fucking gods. Um, but, you know, sometimes you will get what you're asking for, and then it will be a situation of, oh, you like that. Well, if you, you know, spend time and learn about me and perhaps do devotionals to me and perhaps give me some offerings, uh, we might take this relationship further. You know, it, it's, I know it sounds very human and very almost like you're dating, but in some regards, when you first are learning about what deity you're attracted to or what deity is calling to you, it's often like that. I, I've heard the term dating different gods before. And, you know, <laughs> while some people think that's silly, um, you do, you know, when you're young and you're searching or when you're just searching, you may uh, start a practice and say, hi, you know, I'd like to get to know you. It's, it's a very similar thing, don't you think? Oh, definitely, because you do have to know who you're talking to. Um, and sometimes mm -hmm. there are spirits and things that masquerade as certain spirits that are, they are not. So I think it's important to know the deity that you're trying to connect with. But, yeah, it is, it is kind of like speed dating, but I don't want to make it sound <laughs> so casual, but it kind of is like that. It's just you're, you're trying to connect to a power that's higher than you, too, so there's that element of respect that you have to give to them. But you do have to get to yeah. know them. And 
after a point, you know, you are going to ask for things and you're going to need things in life. But there's going to be a point where the deity starts helping you change. That relationship changes you on a spiritual level and helps you evolve and work through things in your life. And it's not anything you asked for. It's just part of that relationship. And that's probably why that deity is calling to you or why you feel connected or strong draw to that deity because there's something you need to learn there. There's something about them that calls to something in you. Right. And that should not be confused with a transactional relationship. Any relationship you have, there is a give and take somewhere in there. Like you and me, for example, Stephanie, like I was very attracted to um, your writing and your artwork, especially. I think that was the first thing I, I noticed. And I was like, Oh wow, that you know, her art makes me feel good. I, I think I'd like to speak with her. There that is there's a transaction of energy in there. And right. that doesn't make it a bad thing, that makes it a new thing. So it was like, Oh, I'd really like her to be on the show and she said yes. Another exchange of energy. <laughs> you know, we're we're doing this conversation right now. Another exchange of energy. You see what I mean? It's kind of the same thing. It it doesn't mean that there's negativity in there. It's a learning thing, and you can't help but be shaped by the friendships you have, uh, whether it's, you know, friendships with friends or relationships with elders or relationships with deities. There's always going to be some sort of an exchange. doesn't mean it will be even, but it'll always, there will always right. be a trade-off in there somewhere, you know. So I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm tickled to death about the fact that you have this book that discusses this because I had not had a book before that discussed this, and I thought it was very important, you know. So I mean, I'm just sitting here with this big stupid ass smile on my face because I think you're amazing. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're well, welcome. I really hope this is something that people, because I really did feel for a long time, like I was stumbling through the dark. Like I didn't know how to approach a lot of the things that I was encountering with gods. And, you know, sometimes it could be something crazy that happens and you're like, what do I do? Especially with the Morgan. So, yeah, I, I really hope this helps people navigate and become closer to their gods. Because it is something very powerful that can change you on so many levels. You know, many years ago, we lived in an apartment. We lived there for about 16 years. And I had an altar set up. And I would light candles and, you know, I would say the words, blah, 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 whatever. And But I didn't have a really strong relationship with the gods. And for the 16 years that we lived there, there would be, like, just randomly every evening knocking on on our door. And we'd open the door and there would be nobody there. And I'm like, well, something's trying to get our attention because it happened for 16 years. And it would happen at different times. And it got to a point where, you know, even when friends would come over, because the knocking was happening no matter who was there. It wasn't just relegated to me or my kids or my husband. It would happen when it would happen, and that would be it. But my friends got so used to it, they're like, oh, they're here again. Hi. And we would start, like, 
talking to them, and it was great, but it wasn't a relationship. It was more of something's trying to get your attention, dummy, dummy being me, and me not realizing (laughs) that I needed to do something about that. So if you're having mystery noises or stuff and you're not currently with anybody, as it were, deity-wise, you might want to investigate the fact that someone's trying to get your attention because I was pretty dense for a while about it, 16 years, just saying. But when I started really (laughs) um, asking for that divine relationship and really seeking it out, did that stop? You know, when I started giving gratitude and making offerings, the knocking stopped. And I don't know specifically who that knocking may have been, um, but obviously it was mostly the idea of get right with it, you know, be grateful, you know, don't necessarily ask for something every five seconds you know, they're not vending machines like you said. You know, deities are not you know, spiritual vending machines. They're to just you plug something in and get something out. Um, you do have to treat it like a real relationship. And I think I didn't – and it took me a long time to realize that. And it took me a long time to develop that relationship or those relationships because, quite frankly, I think – Even at 60 years old, I'm still learning about deity. I'm still learning about the relationships because I don't know shit. (laughs) But that's a great um, attitude to have, though, because you'll never be one of those people that say, like, oh, I've I've already learned everything. I'm fine. I think there's always something new to learn. And gods are so vast, we're never going to know everything about them or understand them completely. I feel they show us just the parts of themselves that we can understand while we're incarnated like this, um, which is probably the shadow against the wall to what they are. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, but I have to ask you, because I've got this short little story. So I was making offerings of wine, and like, Within 24 hours, there would be a film over the wine, and I'm like, oh, the, the gods don't like this wine. This wine must be shit. So I stopped giving them wine, and I started giving, like, I give one deity whiskey, and I give one deity gin, and pretty high-class shit, I might say, and I don't drink. So my house joke is that, my gods drink better than I do and most of my friends because my gods drink Bombay, Bombay Sapphire Gin and Glen Livet Special Reserve. So it's like, oh, that is, yeah, that is nice, things. actually. <laughs> but that's just well, relationship maintenance for me, you know? Oh, yeah, and you can definitely tell something about what happens to the offering. Um, yeah, it, it does sound like they did not like the wine <laughs> for whatever reason. Um, I have had an interesting experience similar to that with Bridget, where she was a little pissed at me, and um, I hadn't been maintaining the way I was supposed to be. Um, you know, life yep. gets busy sometimes, and I made her an offering sure. of milk, 
And within like a half hour, that milk was curdled and nasty. And there was a giant horde of ants climbing up my altar to get at the nasty little curds that were forming in there. Wow. And I took that as, um, wow. okay, you're pissed. I need to do things to make that right. I will do that, starting yeah. with cleaning all the ants and the curdling milk off my altar. Um, but yeah, like, um, <laughs> as far as what to offer, I think that can kind of be hard. I honestly look probably like a crazy person when I go to a liquor store, because sometimes when I'm going specifically <laughs> to find something for a deity, I'm kind of just roaming around and feeling like I'm like a dowsing rod. I'm like, okay, does it feel good over yep. here? No. Okay. We're going to go to this row over here. Okay. I think the Dagda wants this one. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so that's kind of how I select some of my offerings. But um, yeah. a lot of it you can change based on what you're actually asking for. Like I give whiskey to the Morgan yeah. on a normal basis. But if I was asking yeah. her for a specific kind of blessing, I would actually give her milk based on a story where uh-huh. her and Kukulin heal each other after they um, battle a bit. Um, and she offers him yep. milk from her cow. So that's something specific to a story that has a connection to her that um, I yeah. feel very strongly with. So, so yeah, you can definitely change the type of offerings you give. It doesn't have to be something historical or, you know, sometimes the deity is just going to tell you, I don't like this wine. <laughs> I want something fancier. No, no shit. I mean, and here's the thing. I didn't believe it right away. So, of course, you know, the very first time it happened, I threw out that wine, washed the glasses, and tried again. Next day, same thing. I was like, okay, let's try changing the wine. Change the wine. Uh-uh, we don't like this shit either, you cheap bitch. Well, go get me some good shit. And that's what it was. And I'm like, Wow, they listen. This is what you want. This is what you get. I am, you know, I'm going to maintain that relationship because I don't want the. I don't want them pissed off at me. I, I do not need pissed off gods. I've done enough shit in my life that I'm already not happy with. Let let us go forth and maintain good relationships with the gods so they don't smite my fucking ass. Because I have done some stupid <laughs> shit. Maybe not intentionally, maybe without malice of forethought. But we do things that hurt other people. And we do things that really hurt ourselves. And the relationship you have with the gods speaks a lot to the relationship you have with yourself, or it should. If you are treating your gods really well, you should be treating yourself as well as possible, too. I mean, that's part of the learning that I had to go through because I, you know, I was a doormat for a really long time. Hard to believe, I'm sure. But the fact is that, yeah, most of my life I spent yielding to the will of other people. And there is a huge difference when you're yielding to gods as opposed to other people. They will, they will help you. They will empower you. They will stop you from hurting yourself because that is not, in our, in our words, we don't do that. We are not supposed to harm others, but we're certainly not supposed to harm ourselves. Um, and as much as, you know, you can be kinder and gentler to yourself, it's important to remember that, especially in these incredibly stressful 
times where, you know, people are getting sick and people are not being perhaps as careful as they should be. You know, you, you've all relationships require maintenance, your relationship with your deity and your relationship with yourself. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, there is definitely that aspect of connecting to the divine and seeing the divine in yourself. And like you said, treating mm-hmm. yourself well, as well as treating the gods well. And I think definitely yep. with um, with lockdowns and people having to quarantine and things like that, um, that's the perfect time to do devotion and reconnect to deity and treat yourself well. Um, I know in the beginning of yeah. the pandemic, my job was closed for a month, and thankfully we were paid for that whole time and reopened wow. with um, some better protections in the office. Yep. But that month, um, that month was really hard, and some of the things that got me through it was my devotional relationships and revamping them because I had a lot more time because most of my daily devotions are a couple minutes in the morning, and that sets me for my day. I get into that right mindset and kind of balance my energy and connect to deity. But I had like the whole day to do that all of a sudden and nothing else to do really. So it was was a good time to change some of my practices and revamp a few things and really reconnect. So, you know, some of those hard, stressful times, that's the perfect time to look at your practices and say – What's missing? What do I need? Is this fulfilling something for me? Am I really honoring the deity in the right way? Do I have to alter things? But, yeah, it definitely is about treating yourself well and them. And the better you treat your gods, yeah, you will absolutely receive those blessings back tenfold. I agree. I I have to tell you, as simple as life can be, without doing, you know, gratitude and devotionals and things of that nature you're really only exploring a part of what witchcraft and wicca and all of these things are i mean there are some people who use magic and are not devoted to any kind of deity and that's fine that is that is a fine choice for those who make it but for folks like me who are definitely um you know have are polytheistic at, at their core, uh, it's, this book is so helpful and just it brings you back, you know, because like you said, in the day-to-day, things get busy, you know, a lot of things have reopened since the pandemic started, and it just helps me realign and reconnect. Because some of my friends even said to me during the pandemic, I feel so far from my gods right now. And, you know, that air of confusion and panic really, really set in to a bunch of us, myself included, for a number of months where it was like, you know, what's going on? I don't know what's going to happen. Am I still going to have employment? You know, are are we going to lose what we have, blah, blah, blah. You know, know, it was scary. Um, But we got to a point where it was like, okay, things are calmer now. You've got to get back to your devotion, your relationships. And, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of us didn't see it, but because we were devoted before the pandemic, we were carried through. You know, relationships matter in all forms. So, yeah, what you said is really true. You know, we had extra time to 
to be in front of our altar and really pay attention and listen to deity when it was speaking. So now, before I go to work, the last thing in my room that I go to is my altar to say thank you for the day and the morning and whatever's going to happen today, let's make it an adventure. And it's the first thing I go to when I come home. And it's not for long, prolonged. I'm not doing anything special. I'm not doing long, pro, you know, extended gratitudes. It's just acknowledgement, daily acknowledgement, and, and maintaining that relationship. It's what got me through. Even when I felt distant from the gods, they were still there. I went away in my brain for a while, but they don't stop. They're not us. That's why they're gods. And that's exactly why you need those relationships with deity for those time, those hard times, for those times when fear is paralyzing yeah. you. That practice can just be absolutely essential. And if you don't have it yeah. to begin with, then, yeah, it, it's hard to to start that connection when you're in that that mode of panic and fear. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you, like you said, you just saying a few words in front of your altar and connecting it doesn't have to be fancy. I think that's some, a stumbling block, too. They, a lot of people yep. want it to be something very set, like this, I say A, B, and C. Um, I have uh-huh. all my tools and equipment. You just need yourself, just yourself and exactly. a willingness to be open to the divine. It, it does not have to be fancy. Yeah, and I think people get tripped up by what they think it's supposed to sound like as opposed to what it just is. Let it just be what it is. It doesn't have – you don't have to have everything lit. You don't have to have nine tons of incense burning. You don't have to have extra equipment. All you, Like you said, Stephanie, all you need is you. Just a moment of appreciation in the morning and, it, you know, and a moment of appreciation at the end of your day because you made it through – I, I don't think it's it's got to be any more complicated than that. And I think we do get into our heads about things, and that's kind of what trips us up. Well, because we're kind of taught that, you know, magic happens and deities show up when we're in ritual space, when we have the candles lit. And realistically, we can't have candles lit and have, you know, a 10-page ritual done every morning before you have to go to work. It's just not possible. But, um, yeah, right. it's a shift of mindset that it's not just in ritual space where magic happens, where we speak to the gods. It's the every day. It's all the time. It could be in your car yeah. or in front of your altar or just two minutes of peace at your desk where you just need to sit and talk to deity in your head um, at work. Yep. And, yeah, it doesn't have to be in circle. I love that you said that because – we were taught that, you know, well, the magic happens during ritual, but not just during ritual. It happens all the time. If you, the fact that we are sentient beings and walking around should prove to you the deity is there all the time. That accident you almost got involved in but didn't, um, you know, finding that 20 in the bottom of your purse just when you knew you needed to get gas for your car, all of these things are are not random. The, the in my opinion, okay. So I should not just say it blanket, but for me, there are reasons for things that happen. It's not all just a random shot. A lot of it is random. Sometimes shit is just shit. 
But if you can sh- if you can see your way to being appreciative that the universe has provided what you needed when you needed it, that is just the first step. But it's a step. Take the Absolutely. step. Take the leap of faith. You know. Wow. We already blew through this hour. I can't even believe it. You are so amazing. <laughs> Again, Stephanie oh, thank Woodfield, you. dedicate. Yeah, this and the book is Dedicant Devotee Priest, A Pagan Guide to Divine Relationships. I hope I can convince you to come back on sometime because I really enjoyed this conversation. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Definitely more to so talk about. I, let you go, I think so. Um, but I also wanted to ask you to tell folks where they can hit you up and find you and if you're doing anything in person this year. Uh, give, give folks your information. Sure. You can um, check out stephaniewoodfield.com, and that has all information about forthcoming books. Um, I actually have another one coming up in April, which is Prayers to the Morgan, oh. which is going to be illustrated. It's going to be really cool. The art is amazing. And I'm going to have our ninth annual Morgan's Call Retreat. That's going to be June 2nd to 5th. It's going to be in person, fingers crossed. Everything's looking good. Um, this year and I'm also involved in other worlds fest and you can find that on otherworldsfest.com we um, are a purely online event and this August 27th and 28th we are going to be doing events focusing on Hecate and um, if you like my art (laughs) so you might like that one very much (laughs) And if you like my art, you can check out The Forge of Awesomeness, which is uh, my Etsy store. That's fantastic. Stephanie, thank you again. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. I'm so glad. All right. I will talk to you soon. Have a wonderful day. Stay safe. You too. Thanks. Bye. Okay, guys, that's it for the week. Stay safe and warm and dry. It's weathering out there. I understand the West Coast is expecting a tsunami or there's reports about warnings of a tsunami. Please be careful. Um, I know there's not a hell of a lot you can do, but try to stay indoors, find a safe place to be. Folks on the East Coast, we're expecting to get dumped on with snow and ice. I hope everybody has supplies Please take care of each other. Wear your masks. Get vaccinated if you can. Much appreciated. Talk to you all next week. Bye.